Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 358 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about the Fed because uh, the Fed has a very big decision and a very big um, you know, meeting announcement uh, coming up this week, uh, coming up uh, actually later on today, if you're watching this um, you know, early in the day, then later on today, you should be seeing uh, this occurring. But um, I think it's interesting for us to talk about the ramifications of uh, what the Fed is currently dealing with, uh, the types of decisions that they're having to make right now, and the impact it can have on financial markets and your personal finances. Uh, so just stick around for a discussion of all that and more in today's episode. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long-form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions, and you and I can begin working together pushing towards your long-term financial goals, and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to the show on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, I've talked about the Federal Reserve before on this show, and I've talked about uh, decisions that they've had to make in the past and things that they've done and impacts um, that have been had. But um, some may argue that uh, tomorrow's Fed decision, tomorrow's uh, Fed announcement may be one of the more consequential ones that we have seen uh, since the pandemic began. Obviously, uh, the Fed made some very big moves uh, when the pandemic began last year, but based on uh, what they have done since then, what they have implemented since then, uh, this may be one of their biggest changes uh, in policy uh, as we move toward a, a situation in our economy where um, you know inflation is very high and they are at a crossroads with uh, their two mandates. So um, I'm going to be kind of basing uh, this episode off of uh, an article that uh, came out um, that said the Federal Reserve is expected to take a very big step towards its first rate hike, okay? Um, we'll talk about what that means, but I want to really begin with uh, exactly what the Federal Reserve is, what the Federal Reserve does. For those of you who do not know, some of you do know, uh, but some of you don't, right? Uh, the Federal Reserve has a dual mandate, right? And that mandate is uh, simple, yet very complex, right? Because uh, it can be interpreted in many different ways and it can be interpreted in different ways as to what they should do uh, in order to meet their mandates. So the Federal Reserve, their two mandates are this. It is stable prices, okay, and full employment, okay? So they want to keep the unemployment rate as low as possible, okay? And uh, they want to make sure that inflation doesn't run rampant, all right? So here's where they're at. They're at this place where the pandemic is occurring or has occurred or however you're looking at it, right? Um, and the unemployment rate still hasn't made it back to what it was pre-pandemic for many different reasons. And we're not going to jump into all that today. Uh, but the unemployment rate is still much higher uh, than it was pre-pandemic. And so they're trying to do all these things to uh, get workers to go back 
um, and you know be a part of the workforce, you know get the the unemployment rate down lower. Uh, that's part of their mandate, sure. But on the other hand, they've pumped a bunch of money into the economy. Uh, demand is very strong. There's a bunch of supply chain issues as far as supply goes. Um, you know, supply is very weak. And so what does that do? That sends prices skyrocketing. And so uh, we've seen very high inflation. I think uh, the current read on the CPI uh, is 6.8 or 6.9% um, for uh, the month of November. So um, that is historically high uh, relative to what we have seen in the past, right? Uh, so we need to be very clear about the fact uh, that even though the Fed has these dual mandates. These mandates are fighting against one another, right? Um, the fact that they are trying to uh, get unemployment down means that they're trying to be accommodative, right? They're trying to help the economy to grow and to uh, get companies to hire workers back. But on the other hand, when you have inflation running too hot, uh, typically the Fed likes to tighten, right? And they like to make things a little more difficult for uh, you know, fast growth, because uh, if they can slow growth, they can slow inflation, which will help the consumer. So it's kind of between a rock and a hard place. And they're trying to, um, you know, figure out exactly what they're going to do. And honestly, uh, I think inflation took off on them a little more uh, than they thought it would, right? Um, I, I don't think that they expected inflation to be as high uh, as it is now, right? And that even kind of shows with the fact that they took the word transitory out of their uh, last statement, right? Because uh, they kept saying, oh, inflation's transitory, 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 transitory. And then they took that word out. And so basically saying, nope, it's here. It, it's sticking around for a while. All right. And if they're saying that, then that means that it's a bit more persistent than they originally expected. Right. Um, and they may have to move quicker than they expected to move. And you may say, well, why is this a problem? And what type of impact can it have? Well, um, the Fed acting out of line with how it has previously said it may act has very real implications for financial markets, right? Because the financial markets look at the Fed uh, for cues, right? They look at the Fed for what they should do, how they should invest, things like that. Um, there's the statement that many say, don't fight the Fed, right? Uh, don't try to invest in, in a way that is going to be opposite to what the Fed is going to choose to do, right? It's just not going to work out well for you. Uh, so they look to the Fed for cues. The problem is that the Fed is giving certain cues and then they um, you know, have to move faster or move slower in a certain direction, right? Especially the move faster, which is what the real concern is right now. And we'll talk about that here shortly, right? Uh, if they have to move faster in a certain direction, then uh, the market will take heed to that and it will create uh, some volatility, right? And it will create more uncertainty in the market. And that's what markets do not like. They do not like uh, there to be uncertainty, right? So um, the Fed has to really toe the line here. And the question is, what are they towing the line between? And what are they towing the line about doing? Well, when the pandemic began, uh, what the Fed decided to do was to bring uh, the federal funds rate, which is uh, kind of a, a base rate where uh, banks can borrow from other banks overnight at that particular rate. And so it kind of uh, sets the standard for what other rates in uh, financial markets are going to be. And so uh, they sent the Fed funds rate basically to zero, right? Uh, and doing so, what this does is this uh, makes money very cheap and it makes it easy to grow fast, okay? And so that's why the market is seeing uh, inflation in the way it is. It's at least one reason, right? 
And then uh, something else that they did is they began to repurchase bonds, treasury bonds from, and other bonds, mortgage-backed securities, things like that, uh, from the financial markets, okay? And in doing so, that pumps liquidity into the market. It pumps cash into the market. And when they pump cash into the market, in the same way, making money cheap helps to be accommodative and helps to uh, grow the economy. So does repurchasing bonds, uh, treasury bonds, and you know mortgage-backed securities, all these types of things from uh, the open market, right? Uh, so they've been very accommodative. Now, uh, we, they have already said that they're going to taper the bond purchases, right? Slow those down, uh, you know, kind of bring those back down to earth, you know, towards the end of this year and into next year. And... Uh, the other thing that everybody's kind of waiting on them to do and the, the primary way in which we have seen inflation fought against before uh, is rate hikes, right? But uh, the thing that may be happening and may be very real, and it goes back to this article that I'm going to go through with you guys, says the Federal Reserve is expected to take a very big step towards its first rate hike, right? So basically saying, hey, we're about to take a, a quick turn uh, maybe towards this first rate hike that we did not expect to occur uh, as quickly as it did. Now, uh, let's just go through this this article here. So the Fed is expected to announce a dramatic policy shift Wednesday that will clear the way for the first interest rate hike next year. Markets are anticipating the Fed will speed up the wind down of its bond buying program, the tapering uh, that I was talking about, changing the end date from June to March, right? That would free the central bank to start raising interest rates from zero, and Fed officials are expected to release a new forecast showing two to three interest rate hikes in 2022 and another three to four in 2023. Uh, previously, there had been no consensus for a rate hike uh, in 2022, though half the Fed officials expected at least one. So that's a really big move from going to no consensus uh, as to a, a rate hike in 2022 to expecting you know two to three of them. Uh, that's that's a very substantial move. Now, at the end of its two-day meeting Wednesday afternoon, uh, the central bank should also acknowledge that inflation is no longer the quote-unquote transitory or temporary problem officials had thought that it was and that rising prices could be a bigger threat to the economy. The CPI, the Consumer Price Index, rose 6.8% in November. Okay, so it's 6.8, not 6.9. Um, and it could be hot again in December. Uh, I think getting out of the easing business is very much overdue, said Rick Reeder, uh, Chief Investment Officer of Global Fixed Income at BlackRock. Uh, the Fed put its quantitative easing program in place to combat the effects of the pandemic in early 2020, and it also slashed its Fed funds target back to zero. Right, so all these things that I've already told you. But it is very true right? Uh, that, you know, the the Fed is, is up against a lot. And a lot of people think that it's overdue. A lot of people believe that the Fed should have already taken action uh, to tighten things back up. And they just haven't done so. Now, something that I want to uh, kind of put on the table here and just kind of let you guys know and, and understand a bit if you don't already. Um, there can be multiple reasons that the Fed would go about, you know, raising rates incrementally over the next few years. Right? You may say, why not keep rates low forever? Well, obviously there's the inflation thing, but let's just assume you could fight inflation in another way. Uh, why not keep rates low? Well, ultimately, uh, if you have another big liquidity crisis, liquidity event, um, big you know thing that occurs like a pandemic or like a financial crisis or whatever, 
right? The Fed likes to have what they call dry powder, right? And by dry powder, what you mean, uh, it kind of goes back to, you know, old rifles and old guns, right? You want dry gunpowder uh, that's just prepared in order to shoot the gun if you need to shoot it, right? Uh, and this kind of talks about, you know, if the Fed needs to be accommodative, they need uh, to, you know, lower interest rates, they need to make uh, money more available to the market than they can actually do so. But you can't lower uh, a Fed funds rate that's already at zero, unless you just state that it's going to be negative, which, um, you know, we've seen, you know, other countries do that. Not going to get into all that, but um, they try to leave themselves some room to bring rates back down uh, if they need to in the future. Now, this is uh, this is pretty controversial uh, because if they actually you know have to do this later on, some people will just say, "Well, this is just a never-ending cycle of you know crisis and lowering rates and getting a bunch of free money into the economy and then." you know, raising rates back up just for a little while just to do it all again. And um, it, it has at least been that way uh, in the last, you know, 15, 20 years or so. Of course, we saw the financial crisis where the Fed took on a lot of roles that it had never done before and then did the same uh, in this particular crisis we're talking about now. So Fed officials in mid-November began discussing the idea of a more rapid taper, so the more rapid slowing uh, of the purchase of bonds. And they have successfully swung market expectations to look for a faster end to the one-time uh, $120 billion a month in bond purchases, right? Uh, so they are saying basically, hey, you know, we're going to do this faster than we said we were going to do it. And the market's kind of expecting that to occur now. And remember, this is all about market expectations, okay? Uh, if the market expects something to happen and it does that's what you're looking for. Now, market expectations have also moved forward on the timing of interest rate increases uh, from starting late next year to beginning in June. Now, they have not said anything about this yet, uh, but everybody's kind of assuming, hey, if uh, we're going to taper faster, then we may also get faster uh, rate increases. Now, uh, Ryder, that I was talking about a moment ago, said that by ending the bond purchases sooner, uh, the Fed is giving itself the option to raise interest rates. Uh, I think they can hike rates in 2022. I don't think there's a rush. Some would disagree, but uh, some say, you know, like Ryder here, uh, there's no rush. He said the Fed would hike twice in 2022 and three to four times in 2023, which is uh, basically in line with consensus. Uh, and he said that I think the, the data will determine when they're going to start. I don't think that the Fed has any notion uh, that they have to start at any given quarter. He said that the Fed will then be able to get a better handle on how persistent inflation is and whether the virus continues to be a risk for the global economy in the new year. Uh, while the Fed is expected to sound hawkish uh, or in tightening mode, um, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell could sound much less so when he speaks to the press uh, at 2.30 Eastern on Wednesday, 30 minutes after uh, the statement and forecasts are released by the central bank. So for them to justify speeding up the taper, the FOMC, or the Federal Open Market Committee, uh, which is who is meeting here, when we say the Fed met, it's the FOMC, um, it has to be pretty abrupt, right, uh, for them to... Uh, justify speeding up the taper. The The statement has to be pretty abrupt, uh, said Vince Reinhart, chief economist at Dreyfus and Mellon. Uh, Powell will likely discuss both hotter inflation, but also why the Fed could remain somewhat cautious. Uh, we retired transitory, but transitory seems to be 
uh, a big one because he made a fast transition, uh, said Reinhardt. He could spend some time talking about the virus mutations and the risk to outlook and things that could go wrong. So uh, basically saying, hey, Powell may be a little more cautious uh, than we expect him to be because of the um, you know, looming risks that may still be out there because of the pandemic. Now, there's a wild card here, and it is the Fed's balance sheet, right? The Fed's balance sheet has really blown up, uh, especially since the financial crisis. But um, just in the past year, it has ballooned big time. So the big wild card for markets is what the Fed says about its balance sheet, uh, which was $4.1 trillion in January of 2020 before the pandemic, but it's swollen to $8.7 trillion. As securities on the balance sheet mature, the Fed replaces them, thereby separately buying billions more in treasuries each month. Uh, that would be very surprising to the market if uh, Jerome Powell came out and said that we don't need to keep the size at these levels, said Reader. Uh, the Fed is more likely to reduce the balance sheet after it raises interest rates. So basically, if the Fed comes out and says they're going to decrease the size of the balance sheet, that could be uh, you know, even more in a tightening mode than, uh, than the market may expect. But the Fed's ultimate reduction of the balance sheet could sometimes have an even bigger impact on the market than the interest rate hike. Goldman Sachs economists laid out a scenario for the runoff, uh, which they said could be less conservative than it was in the last cycle following the financial crisis, right? Because we've done this all before. Runoff would begin if the Fed allowed securities to simply mature, and by not replacing them, uh, the balance sheet would begin to shrink. We forecast that the fourth rate hike will come in 2023 H1, uh, and our best guess for now is therefore that a runoff will begin around that time. Research on balance sheet policy implies that the impact of the runoff on interest rates, broader financial conditions, growth and inflation could be modest, much less than uh, that of the rate hikes we expect. They wrote in a note, uh, however, markets have sometimes reacted strongly to reductions in balance sheet accommodation in the past. Right, So this could be something that uh, gets spoken on that uh, has some very real impacts on financial markets in uh, tomorrow's uh, statement that the Fed releases. Now, Diane Swank, chief uh, economist at Grant Thornton, uh, expects the Fed to discuss the balance sheet at this meeting, but to not take action. Uh, I think we'll be questioned about the balance sheet, said Swank. Uh, they did try to you know, let their balance sheet drain previously. This is something that we should expect to happen as well more rapidly this time. Uh, I don't think they made that decision yet. I wouldn't be surprised to see it in the meeting minutes. So in the, you know, basically what they talked about in the FOMC meeting. So all of this stuff in this article, right? And uh, it really comes down to this. What does this mean for us, right? Because I, I give you guys all this information and it's always, uh, you know, how can I apply? What, what does this mean? Uh, how should I think? You know, why do I need to know this information? Well, if you are somebody who just doesn't pay attention to any type of financial news, one, I'm surprised you're listening to this in the first place or watching this in the first place. Uh, but if you are somebody uh, who keeps up with that type of stuff, um, then this is very relevant, right? This is, um, you know, something that we need to keep our eye on. Now, should this impact the way in which we invest? Not necessarily, okay? Again, I've told you guys many, many times, and, and I stand by this statement and will likely always stand by this statement. If you are a passive investor, 
right? If you're somebody who just puts money away into a 401k systematically, puts money away into your IRA systematically, um, and you don't worry about what's going on on the outset, you just keep pouring into, you know, mutual funds, ETFs, you know, whatever, index funds, um, this doesn't mean anything to you. And it shouldn't, right? I'll tell you this right now. I'm not going to stop um, pouring money into my wife's 401k or my own IRAs or whatever um, because of this. And I'm not going to change my investment allocation in those accounts because of this, right? That that should not change uh, based solely on a Fed decision, which um, you know could go any which way. We don't want to bet on a Fed decision. It's just not a smart thing to do. But if I am somebody who buys individual companies, buys individual stocks, um, this can have some big long-term ramifications for me because uh, if rates are going to increase uh, at a quicker rate, that's going to have the biggest impact on companies that are growth-oriented companies that don't have a lot of good underlying fundamentals, right? They don't have earnings. They don't return capital to shareholders, all those types of things. So you may need to think differently about uh, how you invest, right? Investing in a bunch of these companies that uh, just have revenues and you know may not even have that, but just have growth opportunities and don't have earnings and uh, don't return capital to shareholders. That may not be the best way to go about investing in individual stocks as we move forward with you know rates potentially going to rise sooner than later. Okay. Uh, the, this is going to have an impact on financial markets, 100%. The Fed always does. Okay. And the Fed adding or subtracting the amount of money that's flowing into the economy always does have an impact on um, you know what happens in financial markets. I've told you guys before about uh, the overlay of the S&P 500 uh, and the amount of money that the Fed puts into the market uh, at any given time. You know, it goes on like a month by month basis and basically just a continuous chart and uh, basically shows that, you know, the S&P 500 has risen as the amount of money that the Fed has put into the economy has also risen. Right. Um, so they, they run in lockstep. And if things are going to get tighter, then you can also expect financial markets to get quite a bit tighter and things to change as well. But again, I don't want you to be worried. I'm not sounding the alarm or anything here. This is not what I'm doing, right? Uh, because the vast majority of what I expect you to have uh, invested should be, you know, index funds, mutual funds, things that you can systematically pour into and that you shouldn't care uh, what's going on in the macro economy because it shouldn't matter, right? You're going to keep investing. You're going to dollar cost average your way in, meaning you're going to buy the same amount of that investment every two weeks or uh, every month or whatever until the cows come home and until you use that money, you know, many years from now. So that's what I expect from most of you. But again, if you buy individual stocks, this may change the way that you need to think about um, you know, moving forward with the portfolio that you may have. Um, and if, you know, you speculate at all, if you have any speculative type stocks and, um, speculative, uh, financial assets, I would guess that something like this can create some very, uh, high volatility in some of those speculative things, because a lot of the speculative things don't have good underlying fundamentals. Uh, and so, uh, something that the fed does can have a very big impact because it's impacting things, uh, that will either keep those companies or those, you know, financial assets from increasing in value over time, or um, it is, you know, doing something that's going to harm a company's ability to get their hands on money or whatever, right? Uh, so ultimately, you can expect some volatility. You can expect 
uh, that those types of things are going to occur in financial markets, but it doesn't mean you should care. It doesn't mean that it should change the way that you live your life. Now, hearing that the Fed may be pushing quicker to raise rates, what does that tell you, right? What that tells you is, is that we're moving into this place where um, mortgage rates are going to increase, right? Uh, car loan rates are going to increase. Credit card rates are going to increase. Every rate that you can borrow at is going to increase, right? Now, that's not me saying go out and get as much cheap debt as you can while you can get it because you know that's against everything that I teach on the show, right? Uh, but what I am saying is, is that if you've been putting off refinancing your mortgage, now might be the time. Now, I'm not saying everybody go refinance your mortgage. I'm saying if it is profitable for you to do so, go refinance your mortgage. Or um, if you've been waiting to consolidate some debt, some student loans or whatever to a, a substantially lower interest rate, now might be the time to do so. Uh, but otherwise, what's going to happen is it's going to get more costly for the consumer to borrow. It's going to get more costly for companies to borrow. That's why the Fed doesn't take this type of thing uh, very lightly, right? Because they know if it becomes more costly for people to borrow, what does that mean? Or for companies to borrow, what does that mean? That means that um, the amount that they are going to have to pay out of their cash flow, both companies and people, companies and consumers, is going to be greater, right? So that means that those people or those companies are going to have to have more cash flow to cover uh, whatever it is. And so it's going to price a lot of uh, companies and uh, consumers out of the debt markets, right? Which is going to keep them from purchasing goods, services, supplies, whatever else, right? Um, and all of that is going to have an impact on growth, right? When borrowing is more expensive, growth slows. It's just the it's just the case, right? When the cost of attaining capital is higher, then growth is going to be lower. That's just uh, the nature of the beast, all else equal. Now, I just want you guys to understand uh, that the Federal Reserve is quite powerful. I would suggest that the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, um, probably has as much power, maybe more power, um, than the President of the United States, simply because uh, of his ability and the FOMC's ability uh, to impact financial markets in such a tangible way, uh, independent from what Congress says, independent from what the president says, right? Even though the president does appoint the Fed chair, um, the Fed chair can go and act as he or she pleases, right? Uh, so this is just something that I thought should be on your radar, something that you should be looking forward to. You can listen to uh, Jerome Powell speak tomorrow and um, expect markets to move, right? I There have been days where I've seen, you know, Fed decisions made and, and Fed meetings come to a close and, um, you know, they release their statements and nothing really happens, right? That, that has happened many, many times. And those days are kind of nice. But days like tomorrow are the days you want to look out for. And I'm not suggesting that tomorrow uh, it has to be volatile once um, their statement is released or even before their statement is released. Uh, but if they make some, you know, abrupt changes uh, to policy and uh, the statement looks very different and Jerome Powell comes out maybe with a different tone uh, or whatever, then we could see some very choppy markets. Uh, we may even open tomorrow with some very choppy markets. Um, and I'm saying tomorrow because I am filming this uh, the day before, right? Uh, so uh, we could open tomorrow with some very choppy markets and, or open this morning as you guys are listening to this with some very choppy markets. Tell me if I'm right, right? Comment here and let me know if I'm, I was correct or not. Um, 
but it doesn't have to happen. Again, uh, the market tends to have a mind of its own. Um, and what the market is expecting is that tightening is coming, but the speed with which the tightening comes uh, can be a very big driver of what financial markets do moving forward. Uh, so my suggestion to you uh, as we move forward is to not stress, right? Don't stress about what the Fed's going to do because you can't control what the Fed's going to do. Control what you can control, right? Uh, follow the financial action plan, invest systematically, uh, stay out of debt so you don't have to worry about the cost of debt increasing and decreasing, right? Um, invest, 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 right? Uh, so you can keep up with the skyrocketing inflation uh, and so you can, um, you know, have money when you need money later on, right? Um, and ultimately, don't worry about what goes on daily, weekly, monthly uh, in financial markets. Just systematically put money away and you will be way better off for it over the long term. I promise that will be the case because that's what I will be doing, right? Yes, you know, I, I have thought a lot about what the Fed's doing and I own some individual stocks and it makes you think about some of them, but I'm not making any changes uh, based on the fact that the Fed speaking tomorrow. And I'm, I won't make any changes after uh, the Fed speaks. Um, I, I'm going, to, and I won't make any changes after the Fed chair speaks. Um, I'll simply, you know, go about my investing strategy and uh, grin and bear any volatility that comes and know that over the long term, we are going to make returns and we are going to build wealth uh, because the biggest factor that's going to impact us. Um, over the long term is the amount of money we put in, what we can control, not the rate of return that we couldn't control, not the volatility that we couldn't control, the amount of money that we put into uh, our retirement accounts, our brokerage accounts, whatever else. Um, and that's what I'll be doing, just systematically pouring money in because we'll be best off for it over the long term. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to this show on a day-to-day -day basis. So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.